I'll just share a joke I heard Bishop Joseph Garlington share a couple weeks back that I thought was almost crossed the line, but just hilarious. Husband and a wife were in a fight, as they typically were. I don't know if you guys ever fight. Do you guys ever fight? Butch and Tammy? Let's just pretend this happened to them. This is made up, okay? And Butch said, why did God make you, Tammy, why did God make you so beautiful and so ignorant? And Tammy, right back at him, says, well, Butch, he made me beautiful, so you'd marry me. And he made me ignorant, so I'd marry you. (laughs) Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Never happened. Okay, they didn't say that. That was a joke. Okay. I want to talk a little bit today about God's original intention and it weaves throughout all the scriptures. And then I want to talk a little bit about some stuff that happens to me as I watch how the church at large engages culture and the cynicism and sadness and the faith, sort of the faith-crushing effect that has had on me. And then some, some characters in the Bible have really given me hope. So there's your agenda, right? Yeah, I don't know how much we're going to get through especially since I, I, I want to run through some significant Old Testament passages, probably from memory, although I want you to mark them down and spend some time with them if at all possible. So I'll start with this. In Genesis 1.28, God's just finished creating everything, and then he creates Adam and Eve, and he says to them, let me turn there, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and govern it. Rain over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So we, this is the word of the Lord. So we see in the beginning, God creates this little space, this little space called the Garden of Eden. And he gives it to Adam and Eve. And he says, just the same way that I brought cosmos out of chaos, I want you to tend and cultivate this little space so that my order, my reign is delegated through you to the earth so that I have authority over everything and you're my children, you bear my image, you bear my authority, you are my sons and daughters, so now you reign in this little space just the way I reign over everything. And it's through you that the whole creation relates to me and sees me. And his intention is that they would fill the earth, subdue it, again, bringing cosmos, order, out of chaos. Are you with me? His, His intention is that they be fruitful and multiply, which... You know, there's, there's never really a danger that humans are going to not procreate and reproduce. He pretty much hardwired us pretty effectively for that. Enough said. But his intention is not that the garden is this little space. His intention is that as we fill the earth and subdue it, the garden grows until the knowledge of the glory of the Lord fills the earth like the waters cover the sea. That's his original intention. His original intention is for us to be his sons and daughters, walk with him in close union, and then our relationship with him, out of that intimacy, flows an authority that brings the whole earth into alignment with God's will for it. You dig? All right. That's the first one. Genesis 12. Fast forward. Things go wrong. There's a flood. Other things happen. Blah, blah, blah. Then God calls a man. The Lord said to Abraham, Genesis 12, The Lord said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And that's like right out of a Western. I'll make you famous. Anyway, okay. <laughs> I will bless you and make you famous. What is that, young guns? 
movie buffs are going to tell me later. And you will be a blessing to others. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. Final sentence, all of the families on earth will be blessed through you. Israel, Abraham's not blessed instead of the rest. He's blessed on behalf of the rest. He's not chosen so others are lost. He's chosen so others will be found. His blessing, his chosenness is so that the ends of the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Same mission, same God, same heart. Nothing's changed. It's just that relationship with Abraham, God calls a pagan man who knows nothing, has no religion. God just shows up and says, I want to be your friend. I'm going to bless you. And then Galatians 3 reveals that the seed of Abraham is not the ethnic children of, God, of, of Abraham, the Jews, but rather the Jewish Messiah, Jesus. And that in Jesus, all the nations are blessed. That in Jesus, there's adoption. In Jesus, there's forgiveness. In Jesus, there's the fulfillment of everything God was up to with the people of Israel. So you can be ethnically Jewish, but if you hate Jesus, you're not really Jewish. And you can be Gentile and not know anything about Jewish cultures, but if you know Jesus and you're in Jewish, Jesus, you're Jewish. Are you with me? If you're not, study it. It's Galatians. Galatians 3 specifically. And God still has purposes for the ethnic people of God, the Jews. But what his purposes are is when they get in touch with Jesus, the mission goes faster. The ends of the earth get saved quicker. All right. But same plan, is it not? Same missionary plan. Moving forward. Eventually, the people of God, you know, they come into to Egypt because through Joseph, they're saved from a great famine. They multiply in Egypt. Then God rescues them out of Egypt. And he says, you're going to be mine of all the nations. You know, I can have anybody I want. I've chosen you. And it's not because you're special. It's just because I keep promises. So fast forward to Exodus 19. Exodus 19. Can you see why I said you don't necessarily have to turn to all these places? Just write them down real quick because I'm going to be doing this for a while. Exodus 19, verse 4, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I have carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth, for all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. My kingdom of priests. What function in a group does a priest have? There's two parties, God and people, and the priest is there to connect the people to God, to mediate, to pray for, and to connect the people to God. Now, if Israel is called to be a holy nation, a royal priesthood, what function does Israel have among the peoples of the earth? To connect all the peoples of the earth to God. It's their missionary calling. And what does he say? He says, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, that's what will happen. If you don't, it won't. This is the missionary. See, when we say priest, the kingdom of priests, it's saying this God is a missionary God. He's a, he's a sinner-seeking God who wants to save everyone and turn them into saints. Duh. Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. Is that something new? No, this is the only thing that's ever been in God's heart from all eternity, is to have sons and daughters that belong to him in intimacy with whom he can abide, and that will happen for all eternity. And it's where human history is headed. The earth filled with people who know Jesus, know the Father, know the Holy Spirit, have become love through that union with him and are pouring nothing but love out. And so that just as Isaiah chapter 6, the angels are endlessly crying, holy, 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 heaven and earth are filled with his glory. Habakkuk says the knowledge of that glory is what's missing and it's what's coming. 
His glory is everywhere. His wisdom is everywhere. His beauty is everywhere. His truth is everywhere. His goodness is everywhere. But what's not everywhere is people who are saturated with an awareness of it and who are lined up with it. But it's coming. It's called the kingdom of God. It's plan A. It's not an afterthought. It's what God's been about in human history. It's, it's what God's been about in all of civilization. It's what God's about in your life, Carly. It's his plan for you. It's the meaning of your life. Moving forward. Okay. It's a missionary function. So God brings them into this small and significant people. He brings them into this small and significant land that just so happens to be the intersection. Here's this tiny little group of nobodies from nowhere who know somebody from somewhere. And he puts them in this little holy land, this this promised inheritance for them. And his plan is that by faithfulness to him, he could bless them and he could bless them so much that all the rest of the nations would say, what is going on with you? It began to happen. We saw glimmers of it beginning to happen under Solomon where people would come from the ends of the earth to understand the beauty and the wisdom with which he dealt. But what happens? They're meant to go into the Shephelah, which is the rich, fertile soil that just so happens to be where the king's highway, the trade routes, come from all the major civilizations around them. Egypt down here and Babylonia, Assyria over here. They're... All these major trade routes just happen to go right through the land that God promised them. Accident. But in their fear, they often withdrew from those fertile grounds because those fertile grounds were often encroached upon by foreign peoples. They would retreat to the high ground and not occupy their promised land fully. And and I was just lamenting this to my mom. I was saying... Israel had this missionary calling, but so much of the time, they blew it. Do you ever feel that way? They're made to be, like Jesus calls the church, you're the light of the world, a city on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and then cover it with a bowl. Instead, they put the light on its stand so it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This was the calling But so much of the time, instead of being a light to the nations, they ran after the gods of the nations. So much of the time I see the church in America falling off the two sides of of this road, of this narrow road of holiness, either into condemnation of the world, or we condemn and judge the world, or we just compromise and become the world. And it's like, first people come, it seems like this. It seems like people condemn the culture. And then in reaction, other parts of the church realize that's not right. Jesus, three, John 3.17, didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. Jesus said, I didn't come to judge anyone. I've, the, trust, the Father's entrusted all judgment to the Son, but I'm not going to judge anyone yet. I'm just going to be a manifestation of the truth. The truth itself will judge you. And it will happen later, not now. I'm here to save you, no matter what you've done. And Paul said, I don't even judge myself, and, and told us, don't judge anyone before the, do- the day. In 1 Corinthians 5, Paul says, is it your job? Is it the church's job to judge unbelievers? Are you, are you crazy? Of course not. Judge yourself. 
whether or not your behavior is pleasing to the Lord. But don't be judging unbelievers. They don't even know Jesus. It's the last thing on our agenda. We entrust them to the Lord and we show mercy. Our whole assignment is mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment and there will come a day of judgment, but our whole assignment is to be an expression of the extravagant, gracious mercy of God. If our job was to judge, we're in the wrong tree. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the thing that we thought was going to get us closer to God. We're going to go be experts at right and wrong. And what happens? We make judgments for ourselves. We separate ourselves from God. We separate ourselves from each other. We judge and condemn each other and ourselves and we become dead and lifeless things. And, and law, by the way, law always has that effect on everyone. And there's this other tree called the tree of life. And in this tree of life, the only question is, who is God? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Okay, sorry about that. So when, when, when Richard Showalter was here, he, he told me a story about this, this Chinese guy who was stealing water from the rice paddy above him. Every day he would steal water from the rice paddy above him because it was you know, on a graded slope and all he had to do was just poke a couple holes in their rice paddy. All the water would drain into his and he's like, I'm clever. And these were believers. He was not a believer. These were believers he was stealing from and these believers were so vexed, so frustrated, so stressed out, so mad because it was so much work to daily take water and fill their rice paddy. So they prayed about it and the Lord said, you're in the wrong tree. You're asking the question, what's right? You need to be asking the question, what's life? I've loved you with an everlasting love. Now express that love to him, though he doesn't deserve it. So, but then they said, how? What do we do? And he said, what would love do? So every day they would fill his rice paddy first. And he stopped stealing, of course. But you know what else happened to him? Right and wrong, judgment, puts up people's defenses and causes them to resent someone who might actually be right, but whose heart isn't right. But they loved him and something happened. You know what happened. He felt horrible all of a sudden. And his, their love confused him. Sound familiar? He, burning, coals of head, uh, burning coals upon their heads. Why are you guys doing this to me? I'm bad. I steal from you. I make your life miserable. What are you thinking? We love you. This is how God loves us. How could we do anything less to you? I want to know this God. Boop, comes to church. Then they have to deal with discipling him. Poor them. Meanwhile, God's rejoicing. We're so rooted in the wrong tree so much of the time. It's like, this is what I, I go on Facebook and sometimes I don't anymore. I, I look less than usual. Sometimes I, I get in and out as quick as I can. You know what I mean? Post, check notifications. How's everybody doing? Like cute baby pictures? I'm out. You know, sometimes I get in there and get sad it's all political this and anger and resentment and this and that and the other. And I'm like, ah, ah, so much, so much condemnation of the world. Anxiety and judgment. We're so scared the world's going to rub off on our kids if, we, if they watch the wrong movies or whatever. Ah, meanwhile, God's putting that tree in the garden because he knows that the only real strength that will ever get you free is an internal strength rather than an external protection. He's sending us into the world so that we could, have, so we could rub shoulders with the world because he knows that the power of his love in us is far more powerful than the power of death at work in the world. This is Romans 5, where Paul says, everyone who's connected to Jesus will live in triumph over sin and death in this life. 
And so sometimes I look and I see how we condemn the world rather than lay our lives down, how we don't honor the world because they are wrong. We're so rooted in judgment and condemnation toward them and so glad that we're saved. Ah! And you know what happens to my heart when I see that stuff? Literally want to quit Jesus. For real. I've had those days. Jesus, I don't want to follow you anymore. Why? Look at what they're doing in your name, God. Hurts my heart so bad. If this is what we're about, I'm out. I got into this for the beauty of who you are. And if this is who you are, I'm out. My mom says, I said, they always get it wrong. Oh yeah, I should say this. Then the reaction. Here's the reaction to this. Here's the reaction. This is the condemnation to the two sides where we get it wrong, where Israel got it wrong so much of the time. Condemn. What's the other one? Conform. So, so some, some young people, sometimes older people, they see this, they go, that is so not the Lord, and they react by saying this. You know what? Our whole job is just no matter what we do, we can't make people feel condemned. So like, sure, it's fine. Sleep with your girlfriend, it's fine. Marry a guy, it's fine. Have sex change, it's fine. Make, you know, babies' rights irrelevant, but animal rights totally important. And I care about animals' rights, by the way. I do, and I care about the environment. Totally, I actually really do. I feel like the church doesn't care about the environment near as much as like the book of Genesis is just like a no-brainer, man. This is our responsibility. We've been so blinded by politics that we're like, no, scientists are stupid. Ah! Wake up. If we're not defensive, we'll, we'll go, oh, that's actually our job. But there's this reaction then that comes to the other side that, that takes grace and says, okay, well, we're going to be loving, but we're going to redefine love. What if God actually, who is love, loves us enough to tell us these behaviors will hurt you? What if God, who is love and designed human life, loves us enough to say, don't touch a hot stove. Don't tear your heart in pieces with 17 sexual partners. It's my intention to put you back together if you've done that. But it's also my intention to give you enough love that you no longer have to run to empty wells and kill yourself and hurt each other. You picking up what I'm laying down? What if there's this incredible thing where we speak the truth in love, where love is all we see because Jesus told me the other night, this was crazy. He said, I'd like to take you into my heart and show you the amazing reality of what happens when love is all there is. He's not seeking self. He's not keeping record of wrongs. There's so much going on that he's so free because all there is in his heart is love. All there is is love in there. Why would he tell me that if he's not going to make me that way? He wouldn't. So I was having this conversation with mom. I was saying, this was Israel's calling. This was the original intention of God. This is then what I see around me. and It makes me so sad. And she said, Daniel and Joseph didn't. Daniel and Joseph didn't condemn the culture or conform to the culture. Daniel and Joseph didn't, Tim. And something happened. I know that seems like a little small conversation among, you know, Israel always gets it wrong. Daniel and Joseph didn't. No, it was huge for me. Daniel and Joseph didn't. And all of a sudden, joy rose up to, to the top, like up in my throat where you're like, you know what I mean? Like your Adam's apple's getting tight with joy like it does when you cry real hard. And I was like, oh, Daniel and Joseph got it right. Daniel and Joseph got it right. We have models to follow. We have models to follow. Daniel and Joseph, both of them have like a very similar story of being wronged, being wrongfully like taken captive or sold into slavery. Daniel was taken captive. 
His, his whole generation, the good figs, were exiled off to Babylon. In Joseph's story, his brothers hated him because of a true prophetic word over his life. They resented what God had, how God had favored him. It happens. Might happen to you. That's okay. God's not out of control on the deal. We know that God doesn't micromanage and control people's choices, but he is no way out of control. He can totally weave all things together for good. And both of these guys were terribly wronged. Both of these guys were hated. Both of these guys were excluded. Both of these guys were shipped off to some pagan country. And in the middle of that pagan country, they just judged and condemned everyone because it was so vexing to their souls. False. There's Joseph in prison praying blessing. There's Joseph (laughs) rising like cream to the top. There's Joseph rising over and over and over because God's love and faithfulness was was present with him in the midst of all those hardships. And so at the end, he's second in command of all of Egypt and God saves the lives of everybody. You see it? Blessed to be a blessing. God saves the lives of... It's not about religious folk, y'all. God's purposes are not limited to, quote, his people. If Joseph thinks his story is about him having a fulfilled and happy life, he's going to miss it the whole time. He will endure much hardship and not understand, and he can lean on God and trust that the outcome is for the sake of God's kingdom purposes, or he's going to feel a lot of self-pity, looking over, my brother, my... Cousin Elroy's back in Israel with a hot wife and all sorts of children. He just bought a new farm. Meanwhile, I'm over here in prison. If he has that attitude, is he going to deliver a true prophetic word in prison? Is he going to be able to say like what he says in, in Genesis chapter 40? Whoa, dream interpretation is that's God business, not mine. Go ahead and tell me. What kind of relationship with God does he have if he says to the person in front of him, what you're asking is impossible, but I'm really good friends with God, so go ahead and tell me the dream. What kind of relationship with God does Daniel have that in the midst, I guess I'll take you here. In Daniel chapter one, we find that, <laughs> we find that he's taken as an exile to Babylon. I'll just read it. The king ordered Asphanaz, the chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they're well-versed in every branch of learning and gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Listen, guys. Listen to this verse. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. Mm, Come on. We don't want them to fall away. We don't want them to... Hush up. God knows what he's up to. Man, when you get in touch with Jesus, he's going to wreck the religious expectations of the people around you because his calling on your life is not going to look safe, wise, or any of that kind. When new understandings of the Father unfold to you that violate religious tradition, the people will call you names, but don't worry about it because you're going to get an upgrade. All right. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned to them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens, and they were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Blah, 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 blah. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and the wine given to them by the king. God gave him favor with this guy, and he said, test us for 10 days. We're going to only eat the stuff that God allows in, in, his, in his restrictions and his laws right here. Covenant he's under. And God blessed them, and they looked better, and they were wiser. And then when it says when they were tested, they had ten times the wisdom of anyone else. 
Am I the only one excited by that? This is our template, you guys. This is the time. Peter says, you're exiles. You're foreigners and exiles here in this life. You're foreigners and exiles. You're in foreign territory. Jeremiah 29 says, pray for the peace of the city of your exile. Pray that it would be blessed. Go ahead and marry, settle down, buy homes, plant yourself there because you're going to be here a while and pray for the prosperity of this city. Guys, we've got to stop judging. We've got to stop judging and start looking for the kingdom intentions of God in the secular culture around us. Our job is not to stand in like some sort of, some sort of like bunker and be like, it's just getting so bad. Jesus, please swoop down and sweep me up like Elijah. Get a life, guys. Get a vision. That sounded rude. Get a vision. I want to talk about discernment real quick. A lot of people say, I've got discernment. I just walked into the room and I had a check in my spirit. I had a check in my spirit. I didn't feel good. I feel like maybe that guy is evil. I had a check in my spirit when I watched that movie. That's a very immature, low level of discernment. And I'm not saying you didn't see something. Sometimes when our spiritual senses wake up, we begin to see into the spiritual realm and we begin to see things. We begin to see things and then we begin to react in the flesh to something we're seeing in the spiritual realm because we haven't developed the maturity of our relationship with God to see past the evidence or the data that we're seeing in the spiritual realm to something much more important and much more, more high. And that is God's intentions. So you have these immature, spiritually gifted people who are sensing in the spirit that so-and-so's got a sexual addiction. Well, get him free. You know, I had a friend and she saw the word cancer over someone in church. What do I do? I saw, I saw the word cancer. Pray for healing. Are you dense? Have you, do you know who Jesus is yet? I sounded rude. Man, what's going on with me today? Let's back up. I'm not mad at you. I want you to know that. I'm not. I'm not remotely mad at you. You know what I'm upset about? These, these, these theologies that have made God less than love. And they've made us walk out mission that's not like Jesus. Where our prayer life doesn't reflect the will and heart of the Father. Where we want to operate, we want to operate in, a, in a means that, we, you know, it's like, we want to be gifted. We want to be close to the Lord. But why? 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 Because if what's driving it, if the motive is anything less, then I just want to be a, a channel, a gateway for the love of heaven to flow through me to the earth. That's, that's why we're gateway, guys. We're to be an encounter with the living God whom we carry. We're not sharing the plan of salvation. We're not sharing information about Jesus. We're conveying the presence of one who indwells us. We want our life to be an encounter with love. We want our life. See, who cares if I miss it when I prophesy over you? If my heart is love, you and I will have connection. And you'll forgive me my learning curve of trying to prophesy. Who cares if I get a word for the waitress? If I have love for the waitress? I hugged the waitress the other day and she leaned into it. And I was like, what is this? But I couldn't help but hug her. Because I've been praying to be rooted in love. And guys, I have so far I want to grow in this thing. I would love to be gifted so that y'all think I'm spiritual. 
And I say that to you freely on purpose, knowing that you, some of you will think less of me, and that's great, fine, good, with, that's great. Pray for me, I want to become love. Pray for me, I want to become love. I want, only, I want the only thing in here to be love. And I'm looking at Daniel and Joseph, and I'm like, man, they had what looks like an impossible calling, but they had all, Daniel didn't feel spiritual, but you know what God said over him? Sent an angel Gabriel, and he says, listen, Daniel, from the first day you humbled yourself and said, I want to seek understanding, an answer was given, and I've come in response. You are highly favored. It didn't feel like your prayers were being answered. You didn't feel like anything was happening in the spiritual realm. You felt weak and clueless. You know why? Because you're a person. We're the little people who are loved by God. We're the sheep who are sent out among wolves. You don't feel tough if you're a sheep sent out among wolves, do you? <laughs> Behold, I'm sent. This is Jesus, Luke chapter 10. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. And, and we're like, why would you tell us that as a pep talk? <laughs> Therefore, be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. And they come back, weak, helpless little old me's come back and they go, oh, you're never going to believe it. The demons submit to us in your name. He's like, I totally knew it was going to happen that way. But don't rejoice that you have royal authority. Rejoice that you are the sons and daughters. Your names are written in heaven. This is, we're never meant to be like, I'm so anointed. I feel so powerful. Bring me the world. I'm going to get them saved. Every one of them. Woo! Come on, glory. We're, like, we're, it's, it's actually, we're supposed to be, have to walk by faith. We're supposed to feel awkward. We're supposed to have to keep taking risks. We want, we want to get anointed in an area. This, when I say we, I mean me. We, me want to get anointed in an area, develop that area until I become extremely proficient at it and comfortable in it. And then, and then I can camp there and I'm like really good at this one thing. And Jesus is like, come here, I want to show you something. What do you, but, I'm, but, but over here we have a thing that we've built. Yeah, I want to show you something new. Yeah, but if I'm new, then I'm a beginner. And if I'm a beginner, I'm like all thumbs and two left hands and I'm not. And he's like, yeah, I know. Come on, I want to show you some stuff. I want to show you some stuff. All right, let's just, uh, it's noon. We can uh, take this up later. To, later today, let's see, is there anything else here? Blah, blah, blah. No, I pretty much covered it. It's all good. Love is all there is. You know, when you say that, people are like, no, brother, we need to balance truth and love. You don't know what you're talking about. No, you don't, you don't know what you're talking about. Any, if you try to pit anything against love, then you don't know Jesus well enough yet. You haven't had the revelation open your heart yet. Truth is not something that's pitted against love as though they're in con- contrast. They're not in tension. Truth flows out of love. Love is all there is. It never says God is truth. God is love, and because he is love, he speaks the truth with 100% authenticity. And when he speaks it, it cuts to the heart of the matter. There are facts, and there is the truth, but only one of them is going to set you free. There are facts about what somebody in front of you is doing, somebody in your workplace is doing, what somebody in your family is doing, what somebody who lives on your street is doing. There are facts, but then there's the truth, and the truth is going to set them free, but only if they see it. It's amazing. We've believed, like most of our lives, that, if we, that no one can see God and live. Jesus came so that we would see God and live. You hear me? Like this, what? What? We got so much backwards. I mean, like Jesus is like, let me teach you all kinds of stuff the world taught you. You've been schooled incorrectly because you were homeschooled in the wrong family. But now you're in mine. And I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit to teach you all things and guide you into all truth. And it's going to be better for you than if Jesus was on the planet. Because if Jesus is still on the planet, there's going to be a crowd around him and only a few are going to be able to touch him. But if he ascends on heaven and he pours out his spirit on all flesh, 
then he has an individual capacity to not be with, but to literally be in every single person and uniquely bring them into the fullness of what he walked in. God was pleased, Colossians 2, like you referenced, God was pleased to allow all his fullness to dwell in Christ bodily, and you have been given fullness in him. (sighs) There's not a person on the planet who has something in Christ that God is not more than willing to train you in out of intimacy. He won't train you in it in a way that crushes you. He won't train you in it because of your insecurity and you want to be special. He will train you in it so that growing up in love, rooted and grounded in love, you have a foundation so strong that it will not be shaken. It will only be tested and proven. I said I was going to stop. Let's, let's go ahead. Whew. All right. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Go ahead and stand. Put your hands out to receive. Father, we receive. In Jesus' name, would you root us deeper in your love? Your heart is missionary. All your needs are met and you're just fine. And you want us to be in the place where we can so trust you that we feel similarly. Where our eyes can be lifted off our brokenness, not because we ignore it, but because we have so allowed you into it that we can actually heal. You came to heal the brokenhearted. You came to open blind eyes. You came to set the captives free and the prisoners. In other words, those who didn't deserve it and are locked up and those who did. You came to bring mercy which triumphs over judgment. You came to fill and to heal. You came to empower and to love. Every one of us, John 10, all of your sheep hear your voice. Not can, do. So wake us up, God, to the reality. You love to, you, you love to leave breadcrumbs along the trail for us to pick up so we can become more fascinated by you. You said in Jeremiah 29 that we will seek you and find you when we search for you with all our heart. God, we are sorry. We, we ask for your forgiveness for how we have half-heartedly sought you and then felt justified in living less than. Half-heartedly sought you, not found as much of you as is available and then felt like we had the whole package. And that it was actually kind of boring, and so I guess we'll settle for less. Holy Spirit, remind us again, we hardly know your big toe. Remind us again, Father, we hardly know your big toe. Send us out, Father. Send us out as sheep among wolves. Send us to the lost. Send us to the least. Send us to the broken. God, redeem our whole families. John and Lois, do you mind coming up here? I said families, and then it triggered that for me. And anyone else who's here in the house, Steve, uh, I don't know, who else? Is, is there anyone else? I feel like everyone's gone except you guys. It's okay. All right, I'll come down here because this feels really authoritative and strange. I was praying for you guys this morning and I became overwhelmed. You guys, the rest of you can either be dismissed or sit. I don't know what's going on. I have something to pray. If you want to stand, whatever. I don't know what I'm doing. I got something I'm trying to do here. I was praying for you guys and... Here's what I saw. As I pictured you guys, I saw you like in medieval times and you were dressed in the, in the clothing of a nobleman, right? And you were wealthy and you were, and you were this sounds cheesy, but you were wealthy and you were important. Both of you were this really powerful uh, couple with lots of esteem. And I feel like that's how the Lord sees you. In the kingdom, that is who you really are. You are noblemen. You, are, uh, you carry a dignity. And there's, I heard the word skill and wisdom, integrity. There's a sensitivity. God says there's a sensitivity to me and to my people. 
There's nothing manufactured or fake in this entire family lineage. There's nothing manufactured or fake in this entire extended family lineage. It's real. You don't, you don't drum it up to impress. It, that's, doesn't, that's not, I don't even think that's a temptation for you. you have, and because of that, because of the integrity and the not manufacturing, you have credibility and you have influence. I felt like the Lord said you have credibility in heaven, you have influence in heaven, and you have influence on earth. You have influence in heaven, and you have influence on earth. I heard the Lord say passion and warfare, and I feel that's you. That's also a great album. Passion and warfare. That's who you are. You bleed passion and warfare. And again, influence in heaven and on earth. Angels listen to you. The Father is quick to, to respond to you, whether you see it or feel it or not, just like Daniel. But it's also like this. And you can confirm that I'm right. They have influence on earth. You know it's true. That their words carry weight, their words carry power, and their words carry authority. If John and Lois say this is how things are going to be, you believe them, don't you? So don't you dare back down. I heard the Lord say, don't you dare back down. Don't you dare back down. He says, my promises are sure. Delays will happen, but they're not a problem. Delays will happen, but they're not a problem. And he said, you're blessed, therefore you can't be cursed. And he said, no longer will you think of yourself as the black sheep. You're not the black sheep. You're highly favored. No longer will the curse that the demons try to wrestle. It's like they've been whispering in your ears saying, never enough. There's never enough. Never enough. That's over. That's over. The Lord says, there's always enough. There's always enough. There's always enough. And there's another voice that's been saying, everything's going wrong. Everything's going wrong. And there's a new voice that the Lord's saying, no, God's working it out. God's working it out. God's working it out. God's working it out. And then I had this vision of a parent picking up their kid from school. And the, and the kid was, was like in a dangerous position, like crossing the road. And then I felt like, there was a, that, like that same child was in the hospital, how the parent would feel when the kid's in danger, how the parent would feel if the kid's in the hospital. And then I saw that parent like grieving over a child that, that, had, that they'd lost. And I felt like the Lord said, the way that a parent cares for their child is how I care for your children and more. And it's how I care for you. I care even more for them and for you, says the Lord. I care even more for them and for you, says the Lord. So can you guys just stretch a hand forth? I want to seal this. And I say, Holy Spirit, thank you for your affirmation of John and Lois. Thank you for, their, for your affirmation of their whole family lineage. Thank you, God, that the dreams and the visions on their heart are your dreams and visions for them. And there's this tenderness. And I'm asking God that that compassion that welled up with me this morning where I was just weeping over them, that they would know that that's you. That they would feel that, that tenderness, that care. Seal hope in their hearts. I don't care if they remember a word I said, but I care, God, if they get closer to you through love. I care if they, they know this is your, your heart for them, Father. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. And uh, you're dismissed. <laughs>